Well, in Undictated, we like to get to the story, the context, as we always say, get context, no more. And today we're going to be talking to Werner Kaywood. He's the senior partner at Kaywood Attorneys and one of those who's been sucked into the Craig Warner Ponzi scheme, or so it seems. Mr. Kaywood is representing a few of the other victims, so we'll be getting his story and where all of those who've lost so much, supposedly somewhere around 3 billion rand, are going to get their satisfaction, if not their money. Thanks for joining us, Mr. Kaywood. It uh, must have been a hectic few days for you, given what has happened. But maybe let's just start off at the obvious uh, place, which is this fellow, Craig Roy Warriner. Now, we know from other sources that he he was pretty predatory within the people at St. Stithian School, which he gave a lot of money to. Are you, uh, are you an old boy of that school? No, Alec, uh, I'm... I'm- Born and bred in Ports of Sturm, so I studied then at the university in Ports of Sturm, so I've got no no affiliation with that school. So it wasn't the case of going to the one and all um, restaurant, which apparently he's, he funded and, and did quite a lot of his business at. So how did you get to be involved with Warner? Yeah, so um, it's been, I would say, from about 2018. Um my financial advisors, uh, they were involved with him for fr- uh, since about 20, 2009, I think. So they were introduced by one of the largest brokers in South Africa uh, to this product. Um, Global and Local is the, is the broker that introduced them. And they started with this fund in 2009. And none of their clients have ever had an issue to receive any payouts you know, and, and I mean, the fund didn't make uh, substantial returns. It was market-related. The product made sense to me. Um, at the time, obviously, now with hindsight, I might feel different. But yeah, with the trust that 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 was in the product at the time, um, you know, I got, got involved in 2018 and had some funds in and got my money out. Um, yeah, so... So my firm actually got involved in 2021. So that is, that is, but yeah, it's been years. That's interesting. So 2018 was your first exposure. You say you made an investment, you got your money out, and that has probably gave you confidence that it's worth putting some of your firm's money in as well. The, the, um, can you quantify the amounts that you've invested with Mr. Warner? Sorry, not Mr. Warner. We call him Warner because he's now in jail. So he's lost the right to be a mister. I agree. But yeah, look, I mean, it's it's different entities. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult for me to to say I've been so focused on just getting the legal side of things done. You know, I need to go into my records with regards to that. But it was, it was millions. Um, you know, I recall one entity that I uh, had about... Four million in and got my money out when I needed it fairly quickly with with a normal withdrawal form that you that you complete and then your payment is made. So it all looked 
pretty legitimate. I guess with hindsight, as you as you say, I was having a look through your affidavit for the sequestration of the trust, and we'll talk about that in a moment. It's pretty clear that it was a Ponzi scheme, with hindsight, for people like me who who, who deal with these criminals often. Uh, in the period, he made profits every month, uh, excepting, well, 8% of them. So here and there, he lost tiny amounts. Um, I think his biggest loss of a month was under 1%. But then every other month, he would make between 1% and 2%, and hence it gave the investors perhaps confidence that the business model that he was selling them was uh, legitimate. How did you pick up on when you heard about his business model? Maybe you can just give us your understanding of how it worked and why uh, it gave you that confidence. Warnat was trading under or he was using the license of Axiom Capital, which is a FSP license that he um, has a full representative capacity on. So, so he then indicated he's using or under that license is the fund manager okay and then um, the bank account of BHI was at all times being managed by um, a company called AfriFocus they are stockbrokers listed on the JSE so the bank account is under their profile that's how, how I understand it and that's how I still understand so so in my mind, there's a there's a uh, regulatory authorities involved with not only on the JSE side but also on the financial side with the FSP. Um, you know, although it was indicated that it's not a regulated product in the documentation, those are the parties involved. You know, and you think um, because it's daily trades, is doing only on. Um, Top 20, I think it was top 20 blue chip stops. Um, daily trading he was doing, um, it, it, it provided comfort because we also had a mandate from him that he cannot trade more than 30% at a time of this fund. So 70% of the funds, in my mind, were, were in all at all times in the bank account that's being managed by a stockbroker on the, on the JSE. You know, so he could trade 30% um, of the total fund daily, so it's money out the morning, it's money back the afternoon. And then further, um, he provided daily and weekly updates on, on the progress of his trading to all his, you know, to my broker. You know, so that happened uh, with them since 2009. So so I was satisfied at, at the time, but like, like I'm saying, everybody has his opinion now, but it's all hindsight. You know, there's, there's big businessmen, competent, knowledgeable business people that have put their money into this fund. And it was backed by the, sorry, and it was backed by the, by the biggest brokers in South Africa, being, being global and local. So we have a, an organization called Global and Local, and then you have your broker, your financial advisor, and you've mentioned Axiom Capital. I had a, I looked up Axiom Capital and it's a very impressive website. I've never heard of the guys, by the way. I'd never heard of Craig Warren either. So I'm not sure whether I'm out of touch or whether he, he uh, operated below the radar like Bernie Madoff did on Wall Street. But it, it all seems quite impressive, except when you start looking at the detail. 
And something that jumped out at me was in the in the report or in the uh, the sheet that they gave on the way that they operated. They he said that he he dealt in I think it was eight uh, stocks, including Richmond. And there is no Richmond. There's a Richmond. But if you're a fine, if you are if you if you're legitimate, you'll never make that mistake. A Richmond versus Richmond versus Richmond, and so on. But I guess these are all little clues that we we pick up on later. The more important thing right now is how much is involved here. How much, by your estimate, uh, could this Ponzi scheme have have embraced? Well, firstly, I don't have the facts um, at the moment, but uh, I mean we're all estimating it in the billions. So, so I would say you know definitely around two billion. I'm not sure. Um, we don't have the facts; it will all come out in due course. But yeah, it's 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 a lot of investment. And this broker, global and local, is interest. Is that also in uh, in in Pretoria, in the area where you're based? No. No, they're based in, um, I think they're close to Malt Park Hospital. They, they're there in a building. Okay, because again, a lot of the, of the clients that, uh, that we've been approached by were St. Stithians. So it was almost like he had that sweet spot at St. Stithians, but then clearly after 2009 uh, bra- branched out. You went along to the municipal court to hear what. Uh, I suppose what Warren's story was. Can you just enlighten us what happened there? Yeah, so on the day the the prosecutor that started with the case was not he was on leave. So there was a substitute prosecutor dealing with the matter. Um, you know, so um he could give little information before the matter got heard. Um, there wasn't a lot of time to speak to him, but when Warren uh, uh, was brought out of the uh, molding area, um, the case was obviously called, and the magistrate indicated that um, the purpose of this this court hearing today is basically to allow him or to re- let him reconsider if he wants to appoint an attorney. So um, he indicated he does not want an attorney. He Again, confirmed that he does not want bail. And then um, the magistrate wanted to postpone the case, or she indicated she's postponing the case to the 29th of November for further investigation. And at that point in time, he then started or, or, or indicated he's already confirmed he wants to plead guilty to everything. Doesn't matter to him what the charges are. Uh, he's, he, he does not want bail, he, he, he does not want an attorney, so he doesn't understand why the process now needs to be postponed for investigations. He can plead guilty today, and sentencing can be extended to a further period then. Um, and the magistrate then confirmed that the state, the, the case um, is, is, is in its infant phase. The state doesn't have all the information. The state needs to compile proper charges. There's multiple charges. It's a complex matter. Um, he cannot plead guilty at this point until the state has finalized their investigation. Um, so, yeah, basically then he, he accepted that explanation and he had some story about his leg being hurt and he 
he's getting death threats uh, from other inmates. He's in a joint cell and he wants to be transferred to a single cell. <laughs> um, he is being held at Sun City um, in Johannesburg. Um, that was also confirmed in the court. So, yeah, and then the matter was postponed. So afterwards, I had some informal discussions with the interim prosecutor, and that's where, you know, I got the further details that he's handed himself over, um, that it is to do to do with the BHI trust that he indicated, as, as we've all um, heard in the past week, but I mean, I heard it firsthand that he... Handed him, yeah, he handed himself over. He um, he made losses in 2008 with the fund. He didn't tell anybody. He continued trading with the hope he's going to trade himself out or the fund out of its uh, of its situation. And in the process, he he just lost further money to to a point where 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 the trust cannot recover from. So, so yeah, that uh, in my mind. Obviously, because he handed, handed, handed himself over, there was no investigation prior to him handing himself over. And the state had just as little information as, as we currently have today. You have applied for the sequestration of the trust. What, what's the thinking there? Yeah, so so basically, um, the, the sequestration of the trust will lead to, to the mechanisms of the Insolvency Act kicking in. The master will appoint a liquidator as a trustee to then take control and charge of all the assets of the trust. So that's the first step. So it's safeguarding the assets. With this interim order that I that I sought, that will secure the safeguarding of, of the assets, whatever there is in the trust. That can also lead to, to urgent investigations, insolvency inquiries. They can be I mean, the trustee can approach the court. He can obtain a extended powers in order to start with a with an investigation. So that can happen fairly quickly. It can all happen with urgent court orders, and then a proper investigation can kick off. Warner will obviously be testifying a lot, um, but all the individuals involved with these other en entities we've been talking about, they will need to come and give evidence under oath. You know, and that evidence can be used to support the criminal investigation. It can be used to go after assets in other entities. It can be used to make recoveries for the for the trust. Can be potentially damages claims that's that's arising here that that can be pursued. So the whole idea of letting the mechanisms of the Insolvency Act kick in as quickly as possible is to get behind the truth of what happened. I presume that would also secure the information because there must be a lot of data there. He must have computers or, or something that uh, would then enable people like yourself who are victims of this to understand better and, and to look for recourse, which I presume would be those organizations which of which he, he claimed to be an agent, particularly this, this Axiom Capital. No, 100%. I mean... Um... The trustee can, it's, it's called Section 69 applications, that's search and seizure orders that's obtained. And those orders get executed by, you know, IT teams, the police, in conjunction with the police, 
and the and the trustee involved. So yeah, those the evidence can certainly be collected. Now, David Shapiro made a very interesting comment, which I'd I'd love you as an attorney and as a person involved here to to give us some feedback on. He said that as this guy had been trading recklessly um, since 2008 by his own admission, any money that he paid out subsequent to that could be disgorged in the same way as it happened with Bernie Madoff. Is that the law in South Africa? In other words, from your own perspective, the fact that in 2018 you put money in, you took money out, or you got your money out, might that be at risk? Yeah, look, uh, the insolvency... uh uh, act goes it goes back six months automatically prior to to the sequestration where any uh, it's called undue preference you know so that undue preference that somebody received with a payout can be recovered um, six months prior to the sequestration um, without a court order so if the liquidator or the trustee in this case wants to go further than the six months period, that would be on court application, motivating the situation to a judge. And if a judge is satisfied to go further back than the six month period, normally um, it, it, the first step is to go back two years then if the court agrees to, to, to such an order. So then two years is the next norm. And if, if there's further evidence, yeah, a court can always grant orders to go back further than that. Hectic stuff. The other, there were two trustees of BHI Trust. The other one is a chap called Christian Ashcroft. Do you know much about him? Yeah. So look, what I've what I've managed to to find out and and confirm as the facts is he's the one that laid the charge against uh, 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 Warner. So. He apparently had approximately 1.5 million of his own funds in the BHI Trust. And um, yes, I made contact with his attorney or she made contact with me uh, this week, Tuesday in the evening. I don't know how she got my application because my application was brought ex parte. It was explicitly brought on an ex parte basis um, because... um, you know, notice can, can can potentially impede with the investigation. So I didn't know how she got my application, but in any event, I made contact with her. And she, she essentially uh, confirmed that her client being Ashcroft, you know, would, would, is, is not against the, sequestral, the provisional sequestration of the trust. So that is what I currently, the facts that we have, we don't know anything further than that. But yeah. So it seems he's the the complainant from the beginning. When you saw Warriner at the magistrate's court, uh, had you seen him? Tell us what he looks like, because I've got conflicting views. The one group of people say he was a swimmer at school and a real bully. Another group says his name is Fatty and he drinks prodigious amounts of alcohol when he's not driving his Ferrari or flying in his private jet. What was your... Um, impression of this fellow when you saw him? Yeah, he's 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 a big man. He's he's very overweight. He's he's bald. Um, you know, he was he was in court in a t-shirt and like a sweat short. You know, it doesn't look like like anybody 
I don't know because he's obviously not convicted. He's not in the in the in the uh, orange suit, so he's in he's in his normal civil clothes. But I mean, he's yeah. My impression was a a, a friendly giant. No, he doesn't have a very aggressive demeanor about him. But yeah, that was my impression. Have you met him before? No. And and maybe you can explain why you invested with him in the first place. Yeah, basically, as I explained, through through the years that my financial advisors has been working or, 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 or having their clients invested in the fund and the introduction from their side coming from the biggest broker in South selling this as a as a as a as a very good product as a you know it's it, it it started to become like a savings account for a lot of people because your money is accessible fairly quickly and you get some returns not massive returns so so yeah it's basically on reputation that I made the decision not on anything else and Mr. Kaywood, as you have explained to us uh, in the conversation with David Shapiro and I, we thought that, or rather it was intimated that you would have told your clients also to put money in there. That's not the case at all. It was uh, it was your firm's money that was invested there uh, as, a, as a reserve, I guess, as a savings account, as you've now explained. Nothing to do, you did not put any of your clients' money in. That's correct. No, there's no clients of mine that, that are involved with this. Um, I've subsequently there's there's been mandates coming from investors across South Africa, you know, because I, I basically because I got the information first. There was nobody else in court on the 18th. It was only me. I specifically, uh, uh, it's not a big court, you know. There's only I think four or five rows. It's a small commercial crimes court, and and you could see that nobody in that court had any knowledge of who this person is. That was a peering. So, um, yeah, that's led to a lot of people coming to me and um, I've, I've updated everyone on where I'm standing with my process. A lot of people? Yeah. Can you quantify how many when you say a lot of people? Yeah, it's about, it's over a hundred. It's, uh, it's, it's really a story, this one. So thank you, Mr. Kaywood, for, for sharing that with us. Just to close off with, what's the next step from your perspective? Because you, you've now got 100 people that you're representing. Uh, where do you go to from here? Yeah, look, my purpose now is to, to firstly allow the master will make the appointment. Um, and we believe it, it will be made imminently within the next, either today or, or earlier next week. And then uh, from, from, from my side, I'm just securing and registering everybody as a creditor with the trustee, um, just compiling everybody's claim documents, their paperwork, getting that sorted, and then working very closely with the trustee in order to investigate. I mean, any creditor is allowed to partake in a insolvency inquiry and ask their own questions. So... So my intention is firstly to get the, investi the investigation done as quickly as possible so that we have more facts and it's a, if, if parties, other parties are involved that we go after them. Basically follow the money. Bernard Kaywood is the senior partner of Kaywood Attorneys. I'm Alec Hogg from biznews.com.